Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Right, okay, jump back in your time machine with me just for one second, but don't go to Backlash 2004. Go a month before that and WrestleMania 20, because do you remember when Brock Lesnar was taken on Goldberg and all the fans were going, boo, we hate you, you suck. And the person that saved this match was none other than Stone Cold Steve Austin, who was a special guest referee. And the reason the Madison Square Garden fans were so upset is because they knew that Bill and Brock or Bab were going, so they felt shunned and like they were turning the back on their company. And again, let's just double down this fact. Who saved the day? Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> and then 34 days later, he left too. Because while Austin and McMahon had been negotiating on a new WWE deal, and even 10 days before this said, hey, we've come to a verbal agreement, as it turned out, that wasn't true at all, and they decided they weren't going to make it work, so Vince McMahon went to the right, Steve Austin went to the left, and that was that. It's a pretty big move, considering that movie deals and a WWE Stone Cold Steve Austin beer on the table, and I would assume that McMahon was a little bit upset, because WWE.com even reported on this, and when you read it, well, you could smell the tears. And don't get me wrong, this wasn't like the 2002 falling out where Stone Cold Steve Austin took his ball and went home, and then WWE buried him on television. They presumed they would work together in the future, but they didn't know when. Two main reasons behind this do seem to come down to who owned a Stone Cold name, and that's always the way in pro wrestling. Nobody can ever come to an agreement on that one. But also how much control WWE would have on Stone Cold Steve Austin's outside projects. He wanted them to have no interference, and they wanted to have 100% interference. But just over here in a little box that nobody discusses anymore was a potential matchup with Bill Goldberg. Now, Bill had been doing work out in Japan around his WWE contract, sometimes earning up to $150,000 per match. So given that he had become friendly with Steve Austin, they had sat down and gone, hey, if you're leaving WWE, maybe we could do a match somewhere else and we'll earn a bunch of cash. And I'm sure they would have been 100% correct in that assumption. But can you imagine? If we had to go through all that invasion and lion stuff going, where's Goldberg, man? I'm still waiting for Goldberg. And then in 2004, they just did it on some random show. That never went down, of course, but if you ever want to have a date in your mind for when Stone Cold Steve Austin's first WWE run properly officially stopped, it would be April 2004, which was also the same month when we had Backlash 2004. And if you can believe it, it's one of those rare shows that was so well received by the Wrestling Observer audience, it got 
zero thumbs down. Zero. Given the internet was still nuts back then, that is a huge achievement. However, it means nothing because they didn't have the finger of power. So let's put that to bed right now as we do indeed take the fop and we give the good bits an up and the bad bits are down for Backlash 2004 that's coming to you live from Canada. Retro ups and downs always has a funny way of being quite topical because our first matchup at Backlash 2004 was the nature boy, woo, Ric Flair. Take it on Shelton Benjamin. Given what's happened recently on TV with Shelton Benjamin, Cedric Alexander, well, it kind of just sums it up. Now, this was all part of the plan to push Shelton to the top as he was feuded with Evolution, and he'd even got some visual victories over Triple H on Raw. And yeah, sure, most of these were countouts and roll-ups, but who gives two flubs about that when it comes to world wrestling entertainment, a win is a win. But some kind of attempt was being made and it culminated here. And if you're also interested, Shelton Benjamin doesn't age at all. And also Ric Flair, as he had this match, was 55 years old. And the reason I feel like I have to mention that is because he had his ass kicked here. I mean, he threw himself over the top rope. He threw himself off the turnbuckle. He was just bumping around like he'd never bumped around in his life. If I can use the loo at 55, I'll be pleased. And of course, that's not true at all. I don't want to get to 55 and somebody have to help me to the toilet. But you take my point. The only issue with this match is that we were in Canada. And as we know, when we take wrestling to Canada, they will boo the good guys and they will cheer the bad guys. And that's probably going to be true of the nature boy in most places in the world. So while we're trying to like push Shelton Benjamin, nobody give two hoots about him. And they're all just cheering and going nuts for none other than Ric Flair. Even when he cheated, everyone's going, oh, yeah, you're the best, you're best. So that's a massive whoops. And the finish is just so strange. Because Ric Flair goes to get some brass knucks. Shelton Benjamin stops him, and then all this like Kamale, Shelton goes to the top rope, hits Flair with what is frankly a pretty kind of bad flying clothesline, doesn't really connect with him at all, and then he just pins him to the one, two, three, and if you look in the crowd, you can see people going, what? Huh? Hey? Because they really are quite shocked. But look, it was still a massive victory for Shelton Benjamin. It was just a shame that in 2004, WWE wasn't really portraying him as the hero that he most definitely was. However, more than fine, up. Young Randy Orton is then cutting a promo saying later on he is going to beat Cactus Jack in their hardcore match. And if you have seen Randy Orton on the Stone Cold Steve Austin Broken Skull Sessions, you will know that he now admits back in 2004 or around that time, he wasn't very good at promos. And I watched this and I was like, I can see where he's coming from. It's a bit like someone's got a gun off screen and if he makes one mistake, he's going to get shot. And then, well... It's Jonathan Coachman, the coach, taking on Tajiri. I'll just say that one more time. The coach taking on Tajiri. Now, put your hands up. If you remember this match, the hands go down. I mean, what else am I going to do? Down. Now, for one, the audience didn't care, so that takes away any of this magic. And the only reason Coach was able to get on top is because Tajiri missed a kick. And when that does happen, Coachman just freaks out and kind of applies some kind of knee bar. Or at least he's trying to do some kind of damage to Tajiri's leg. All we need to talk about, though, is the most sick kick I think I've ever seen in my life. Because Jonathan Coachman gets put in the tree of woe position at one point, And Tajiri runs at him and boots him right in the skull, and there's no two ways about it. That wasn't a predetermined wrestling move, that was an assault. 
If we just move that over here to one second, you then realize that WWE hasn't changed in 16 years. And that's because it's been 17 years. But as Tajiri is wrecking Coachman, all of a sudden Garrison Cade is out here and I can't even remember why. He attacks Tajiri. The referee doesn't see any of it. So Coach uses the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment as a prize roll-up to get the pinfall and to beat... Tajiri. Somebody in the back must have known how hard that kick was too, because you then just get replay after replay after replay of this. And given the coach has come out after the fact and said that sometimes he got hazed in WWE, well, it worries me that somebody thought this was a joke. It is not funny. Chris Jericho versus Christian and Trish Stratus was next. So that's right, it's a handicap match. Things are very different in 2004. However, the story here was surprisingly good. It's still surprisingly good today. These lot just had great chemistry up. It was all off the back of WrestleMania 20 though, where it looked like Trish Stratus and Chris Jericho were were gonna come a lovely jubbly item, but instead she attacked Chris and aligned herself with Christian instead. The fallout was this brilliant program when you knew exactly who the good guy was and exactly who the bad guys were. The only shame is that it's a reflection of its time because the crowd decides to spend all of this just chanting, you're a slut or you're a big slut or whatever at Trish Stratus. And I'm not gonna lie, it made me feel very uncomfortable and I questioned why the hell we ever allowed this. Because the feud was just clicking though and because these three are really good, it just works. And at one point, Trish takes this horrendous fall off the apron onto the floor when Jericho hits the ropes. You could say that she slipped. So I was like, well, in 2021, Chris Jericho would have left just saying, oh, I've done it, it's not worth it, it's not worth it. But for some reason, he didn't, and he wanted to continue the match. Outside of this, it was just classic WWE in the sense that whenever Christian was on top and he'd beaten up Jericho a little bit, he'd tag in Trish, and she'd get a few shots in there before Jericho was back on his feet. And then when Y2J eventually did get his hands on her, she gave him a spanking. Just repeat everything I said a minute ago. There's a really good near fall after Christian hits the unprettier and Trish tags herself in. And honestly, it goes one, two, and the referee's hand is like that close. And you think, oh my gosh, Trish Stratus is going to beat Chris Jericho. But she does not. And after a bunch of more near falls, Y2J knocks Christian into Trish. She takes another fall. And then when Christian turns around, he gets Inzagori's right in the face. And that's the end of that. So this is absolutely a match for those people out there saying, I want random moves to count as the finish. Well, that's what we did here. And it took me by surprise. And it definitely took the crowd by surprise too. There's just a moment's silence before they go, oh, yep, we've done it. Our guy won. This was entertaining though, or sports entertaining, you might say. Following on from all the things we've already hinted at, Eugene is then shown in the back in the women's locker room and he kind of sees Gail Kim naked and all the women freak out. I thought about turning it off at this point, but then realized I had a job to do. William Regal did bust in there to sort it out, and that man is so entertaining he can do no wrong. And given what came next, I think the best thing we should do is just explain it and then move on. Because as Backlash 2004 was taking place in Chris Benoit's hometown, we indeed get a video focusing on Chris Benoit, his hometown, his family, and his children. I'm now sure you can work out why I don't want to talk about this. So again, that's what happened. Let's go to what's next. We did come out of that though to Victoria defending her women's title against Lita. And I don't know what happened here, but nobody seemed to care. I mean, it could be because they're both meant to be good guys. Or at least I think that was the case. But they sat on their hands almost like they were in a grump. Down. It was also just a bit stilted one of those nights where nothing really clicked. And at one point, Victoria goes for a moonsault. Lita tries to move. She doesn't move enough 
meaning Victoria kind of crumples as she hits the mat. And it wouldn't surprise me if we had to end this early because she was injured. And the finish does feel rushed too, which gives us more evidence to that fact. And of course, Victoria, being a very well-trained and veteran professional wrestler, just goes, well, I know how I can get out of this. I'll use the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up. So yes, that brought this match to the end. And then afterwards, Gail, Kim and Molly Holly come out here and they're just beating up everybody and they get booed. And I had a moment where I was like, you actually tried to turn Molly Holly heel? I'd obviously taken that memory out of my brain and chucked it in the bin. What a daft thing to do. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Which brings us to the reason that this pay-per-view is still talked about. Randy Orton versus Cactus Jack in a Falls Count Anywhere no-holds-barred match, which is just a recipe for carnage. Aside from just being nuts when it comes to violence, it's what this did for Orton that makes it such a classic. Because once again, Mick Foley had just surveyed the roster and gone, well, that guy probably needs a push and this guy probably needs a leg up. So I will take it on myself to make them feel like main event players, much like he'd done with Triple H back in 2000, and flub me, he does it again. Obviously, it takes two to tango, and Randy plays his role brilliantly as well. But I tell you, even though this is some brutal, brutal stuff, it doesn't just get an up, it gets a golden up. It doesn't even deviate too far from the plan, in the sense that Mick Foley knows exactly what he's going to do, so he's going to go out there and do it. They also take the idea that wrestling is predetermined and chuck it out the window, to the extent that when Randy Orton gives Cactus Jack a suplex on the entrance ramp, they dent it. It's dented. And sure, maybe it's gimmicked, but it still looks like it sucks. The fabled barbed wire bat is then introduced and Cactus takes this and whams it so hard into Randy Orton's face he starts to bleed. And then just to get another pop from the crowd, he takes it and leg drops it into Randy Orton's balls. And the only thing I could think was, if this happened in real life, that match would be over. If anybody took barbed wire 
and did that to my testicles. I'm like, I don't care about any Intercontinental title. I don't care about winning. I don't care about losing. Please just take me to a hospital. Sorry, local medical facility. Foley then decides he's going to kill Orton by setting fire to the bat. But just as he's about to do that, Eric Bischoff, who was the Raw GM at the time, comes out and says, No, don't do that, Mick. Because if you do, not only is this match over, but I'm going to suspend you and fire you and put you in a cannon and shoot you into Timbuktu. Now, I did a little bit of research and a little bit of reading. And it sounds like that Randy Orton and Mick Foley did want to do this and kind of felt like they promised it to the fans. So they wanted to tease it, which is what they did. But in real life, the fire marshal said, well, if you do do that, I'm going to shut you down. As you can guess, the audience is a little bit peeved about this, but then they forget about all of it when a barbed wire board is introduced and Mick Foley just goes flying into it. I'm going to close my eyes and you see his skin being attached to the barbed wire. And in case you do care, yes, Mick Foley insisted on using real barbed wire for him, but for Randy Orton, I suppose he was a little bit more sensible and his was fake. Not really fake, it was gimmicked. Foley's arm is also pouring with blood at this point, so you can't help but look at it and go, oh my gosh, I wonder what's happening there. And yes, it's here when Randy Orton gets a bag and reveals he's going to place a bunch of thumbtacks across the ring canvas. Orton then goes to RKO Foley into these things, but he gets caught and instead Mick grabs him and chucks him down onto the floor. And Orton's face just paints the picture and lets you know how much pain he's in. But do not forget how important this was to the perception of Randy Orton. Because back in 2004, nobody thought he'd ever do this. They thought he'd be backstage saying, no way, man, that's not what I'm about. So all of a sudden he just went from like a good looking third generation superstar to being the man. They're not even done because they're then brawl to the back where Cactus catches Randy Orton and chucks him off the entranceway through a table. And even though referees are trying to stop him, Mick Foley's like, I don't care. He runs, he dives off there as well and hits Orton with the elbow. Foley then back in the ring applies the mandible claw but he gets RKO'd instead and then gets RKO'd a second time into a barbed wire bat and mercifully, that's the end. Orton was on his way to superstardom though because Mick Foley had done it again. He made so many guys all the while having a toothless smile on his face. You also see Triple H after the fact giving Randy Orton a quick pep talk even though he looks like he's about to die. And that cracked me up. That'd be like getting bullied and beaten up at school and going to tell your teacher. But they sit you down and go, well, it is important, but first, let's learn some calculus. No, let's deal with the problem at hand. I then felt super sorry for Hurricane Helms and Rosie, or the superhero in training, and make sure you spell those letters out, because they were sent out there to take on La Resistance, and given the fans had just seen a bloodbath, well, they did not care about this. Down. It also features Eugene, who makes his debut here on Retro Ups and Downs, who, just to put it as directly as I can, is a very problematic character. We won't talk about it here because I kind of feel like it needs its own video, but if you are autistic or you deal with certain things on a day-to-day -day basis, well, I don't think this is the best way to shine a spotlight on those things from a creative standpoint. I will say that he is crazy over here, so maybe it was more about how WWE used him and how WWE saw him. But hey-ho, he has arrived on Retro Ups and Downs. So I felt like I needed to say something. He just gets in the ring and starts running the ropes at one point. So William Regal's out there trying to calm him down. And of course, this is too much of a distraction for Rob Conway. He gets hit with a reverse DDT. Hurricane Helms pins him. And I don't even think the audience knew what the hell had happened. Do you remember what I said earlier about Retro Ups and Downs being topical? Our next match was then Kane taking on... 
a returning edge. Kind of anyway, because he had been away for 13 months before returning on national TV a few weeks before this. And on his first night on Raw, where he got drafted, he speared Eric Bischoff, who was his boss, smart. All of this meant he had to fight Kane, which was always the way back then, and Johnny Nitro got involved in this too, and fair play to that guy. In a pre-video, you see him cutting a promo here, and the more experienced John Morrison, well, let's just say he's come a long way. Edge was also doing that gimmick where he wore a cast on his arm, even though everybody assumed he didn't need a cast on his arm. So he was being Bob Orton. You think everything as well, especially because we were in Canada, would mean this would be an absolute fire of a spectacle, but it's not. And once again, the fans, well, they just don't seem to care. I mean, they're more interested in shouting stuff like, this match sucks and USA sucks. And then they notice El Hebner is the referee. So they start to go, you screwed Brett, you screwed Brett. And I'm like, this is Edge, Canadian hero. What are we doing? I suppose it comes down to the fact that the rated R superstar hadn't been born yet or exploded into the main event scene. Because when he did get there, his reactions would change massively. So instead, you do just get all this chanting for around about six minutes. And then Edge kicks Kane right in the balls. He used the cast. He hits the spear. He gets the one, two, three. And surprise, surprise, the audience don't buy this at all. I think there was one grandma clapping. But that was about it. Down. It could very well be that they were just waiting for the main event. Because, of course, Backlash was taking its name quite literally. And we were having a rematch from WrestleMania 20 as the now World Heavyweight Champion Chris Benoit took on Triple H and took on Shawn Michaels. Conversation always turned to, well, which one is better, this or WrestleMania 20? The answer is easy. It's WrestleMania 20. If you have a good guy going for the championship and he wins, that will always be better, but up. What really works, though, is where we are. Because Triple H was always going to get booed. He was a massive heel in 2004. Chris Benoit was the hometown hero, so he was going to get cheered. But because we are in Canada and Canadians hate Shawn Michaels, he is a mega bad guy, too which just allows this to click. Jim Ross also mentions early on if Triple H was going to win, he would be number two on the all-time world titles list. And you just need to calm down. He is referencing the fact that The Rock holds one more than him. And you have to remember when WWE talks about this stuff, they're just talking about WWE. No other wrestling exists. We kept to the formula of one guy being knocked out of the ring as the other two guys go at it until we build to Chris Benoit pulling Triple H in the sharpshooter. And every time I see that and you hear Canadians going crazy, it always breaks me a little bit that Bret Hart was never able to come back to WWE for one last proper run. Can you imagine some of the matches he would have had? Heartbreaking. WWE knew what they were doing here too, because throughout all this madness, the referee had been knocked down. So Shawn Michaels then applies a sharpshooter onto Chris Benoit, and what official runs out from the back? It is none other than the returning Earl Hebner, and everybody in that arena is now terrified that we are going to get yet another Montreal screw job finish. Thank goodness we don't, but my word, do they go crazy and do they start shouting, You screwed Brett, you screwed Brett. The Heartbreak Kid then goes flying through the Spanish announce table because he overshoots a dive, and back in the ring, Triple H hits a pedigree on Chris Benoit and honestly doesn't pin him for around about 56 years, and even then, Shawn Michaels breaks it up at the last moment. And it's then when you start to believe, because you're like, well, WW wouldn't do that unless Chris Benoit was going to retain. Michaels then superkicked Benoit before getting punched in the balls by Triple H. And honestly, the amount of testicle shots on this show. <laughs> and then the game goes and gets a sledgehammer and twonks Michaels right in the back. I'm like, a sledgehammer? After I saw barbed wire and thumbtacks and all of that other violence, 
you did not need it here and it does not work. It's also stupid because El Hebner is just looking at this, but it's not a disqualification because it's a triple threat. And again, if that is the case, why didn't he get a knife and then just start stabbing people? There is this great spot where HBK goes for Sweet Chin Music, but Chris Benoit just grabs his foot and turns it into the sharpshooter. And I always forget this is the finish because it's just so elongated. And I'm such a wrestling nerd, I timed it. And from the point Chris Benoit locks in the sharpshooter to the point Shawn Michaels goes, I quit, I quit, tap, tap, tap. It is one minute and four seconds. Also throughout all of that, he tries to get to the ropes and he fails. He tries to get to the rope and he fails. And Triple H is slowly trying to get back in the ring after being chucked into the ring post. But then yeah, after 60 second plus, Shawn Michaels does say, I'm done. And while it gets a great reaction, it's also a bit like, well, that was a little bit strange. It's almost like we forgot what we were meant to do. It doesn't make a difference though, and this is still a terrific match, although I'll be honest with you, for obvious reasons, I don't get much out of it. But as a companion piece to everything that happened at WrestleMania 20, well, they suit each other very well. And as always, we finish with Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer ratings, because you love them. Shelton versus Rick got two and a half stars. Coach versus Tajiri <laughs> got half a star. Jericho versus Christian got three and a quarter stars. Victoria versus Lita got three and a quarter stars too. Orton versus Foley got four and a half stars. Hurricane and Rosie versus La Resistance got one star. Edge versus Kane also got one star. And our main event got four and a half stars, which means if you want to argue in the comments, you can say that the Triple Threat World Heavyweight Main Event match was as good as Randy Orton versus Mick Foley. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.